0: What is up, everybody? It's your boy, Drew Drake Rogers, up in the building, and today I'm joined by my lovely compadre, Mr. David Wise. Davey, what's up, my guy? Tell the folks we're talking about today.
1: Everybody, you know what today is. It is Mailbag Monday. We are going to let the conversation take us where you want it to take us, based on your comments.
0: See you there. We'll see you there, folks, and as always, thank you guys so much for being Locked On Malls your first listen each and every single day, Monday through Friday, but... Without further ado, let's move forward with the show.
1: You are Locked On Seminoles, your daily podcast on the Florida State Seminoles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every
0: day. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome back to another edition. Of Locked On Seminoles, as at to the top of the hour, it's your boy Drake. I'm joined by you know my lovely compatriot over here, Davey David Wise, David Wise Esquire, David Aaron Wise Esquire. David, what's going on, my right. guy?
1: Well, Drake, um, much like the injury bug, often takes its effect on Florida State football because somewhere out there, there is just like uh, like a a devil creature that is just demolishing any and all luck that Florida State could have the last several years. The allergies have taken their grip on I me. Mean, they won't let go.
0: Yeah, the, the reason, folks, was well, you can see right now, I have these glasses on is because my I have a splitting headache, and right now, looking at the screen is not the best thing to do. But thankfully, though, we have a very good show for you today. We actually have our mandatory mailbag Monday. Shout out Collage and Castello. A little, you know, a little nod to them over there. So, Dave, let's go on with the first question. I think Max flagged this earlier last week. Uh, yeah. It's from Lotto. Lotto asked, do you think Norvell is able to recruit efficiently? To what extent is the current state of the program holding back the staff's ability to recruit? If the team is able to win eight games next season, do you think the staff will be able to leverage that to recruit better? So Dave, I'm going to let you go with with first on that one.
1: Yeah. um, I get irritated at this narrative that we should just like blindly trust the staff's recruiting prowess because they've proven it. Um, I don't know where that comes from. Like, of course, we have to trust the staff's recruiting. They're all we got. Um, we're going to be stuck with the staff for at least another couple years. So, yeah, we have to trust the recruiting. But I, I don't I, – I said it yesterday.
0: Well, it was, it's not that you trust the recruiting. It's like, do you think they're able to recruit efficiently?
1: I, I know. And what I'm getting at is, like, on social media, I see this. I see this just narrative of, Stop criticizing any conversations. Just stop criticizing anything the coaches do with respect to recruiting because they've proven it. I don't know where that comes from. Um, They missed on a lot of key players in that last recruiting class, key legacy players even. Um, Efficiently, it depends how you define efficiently. If you're talking about meeting needs, like, I don't know, there should be another quarterback on this roster right now. Like, I know we just landed another one for the 2024 class. And that's a that's a conversation for another day. But there should be another quarterback on this roster. Uh, that, in and of itself, at the most important position on the field, I would have to say the staff did not recruit efficiently last year. As a result of that, they didn't let this happen, knowing full and well that it was a giant risk to do so. Um, in addition, like they've done better through the transfer portal, like retooling that receiver room um and even like bringing in Tatum Bethune at the linebacker position but that room needed more help um the linebacker room and that room I don't think was addressed enough um I, I just find it curious some of the the spots we used uh scholarship wise like on a running back in Trey Benson who hopefully turns out to be you know the next coming of Dalvin Cook but just some curious decisions and some some positions that weren't filled that i thought sh- more even than should have needed to be filled so i can't say that the staff recruits particularly efficiently especially compared to who he uh, who he came out after which is jimbo fisher one of the most prolific recruiters of the modern era
0: i will say it is kind of i think it's unfair to like basically compare any first year power like first time power up goes to jimbo fisher because i think jimbo fisher has proven time and time again that he's probably a top three recruiter in the country, right? Overall, whether it be actually here at Florida State, whether as he was a coordinator at LSU under Saban and actually over how he's being able to kind of cultivate this massive talent over at Texas A&M, right? Um, to me, do I think they're efficiently recruiting? It's, that's a tough question to answer. And me personally, I'm going to answer it as a kind of a no, as of right now, because we always hear how like he wins the offseason. I'm not gonna to lie to you. When the offseason like happened last year, like we're getting kids you know, committing left and right, left and right, and then we hear that, hey, we're in the pole position for a lot of these bigger kids. Basically, uh, the Elijah Pritchett kid that committed over to Alabama, a Marvin Jones Jr., the legacy kid, kid that you kind of yeah. mentioned a little bit at the beginning, going over to Georgia. But then you're seeing with these other small, like kids that were basically right, were three stars and then commit to other schools, namely a Wesley Bessaint at the linebacker position, as well as Nigel dilley Kelly both going down to Miami. So to me, it's like I think they're good at recruiting. The only problem is they are inefficient at closing, which I guess is recruiting altogether. But like, to me, that's something that where if he wins games, I personally do think that he actually is able to close them because he does apparently sell a really good message. And then recruiting is also with transfers. And in my opinion, he actually probably is one of the better transfer recruiters actually probably right now out there because it's a different message to sell to kids. And he was able to bring in – a Kier Thomas and a Jermaine Johnson. But overall, like with high school recruiting, to me, it's going to be a no for me, big dog.
1: Yeah. And another thing that kind of just, you know, is always a question mark for me is when you bring in somebody from a G five program, like really how well can you expect them to recruit? Like, you know, the University of Florida, I thought, I think has taken a step back. Well, I honestly do. Um, Billy Napier has turned them into the Gainesville-Raging Cajuns, which, like, if I was a Florida fan, thank Christ I'm not, I would be super pissed off about that. Like, yes, they had some good players, I'm sure, for their own standards on that team, which is why they enjoyed relative success. But, like, this ain't the same league. Like, Mike Rovell has to recruit differently at Florida State. He knows this. than he did at Memphis. and. I don't think we have a large enough sample yet to say whether he was able to hack it at the P5 level. Um, plus, I mean, it's it's tough to have this conversation and not point out that, holy shit like what he took over for. Not to make excuses for him, because he's in his third year, all of the Willie Taggart bullshit is now behind him, I think, enough that he's earning his own merit for this year. Nothing at this point is the fault of Willie Taggart. So, uh, yeah, recruit away, buddy, because... I don't want to say you're going to be on the hot seat, but you know, the clock's ticking to play well on the field, which will, like you said, translate into recruiting success and whether or not it's chicken before the egg, you got to do both.
0: It always kind of sucks. It's kind of like, you know how you got to spend money to make money, but then you kind of need to have the money before you spend it. It's kind of like the same thing. With I think Sam Moore on the to podcast has said the same thing. It's like, it's circular reasoning. You need to have the better players to win the games to get you better players. But so it's kind of like, you're kind of stuck in this kind of time loop warp type thing. Um, but no, I agree with, you, uh, agree with you, but how about the last part of Law's question? I'm going to throw this to you real quick before we go over to our, to our break. Uh, if they were able to win eight games next season, do you think that they'll actually be able to, like, translate the wins on the field to wins in the recruiting trail? Do you think the, state, the staff is capable of actually basically being like, okay, hey, we finally have a proof of concept. Do you think they'll be able to actually land these bigger kids, like a Santana Fleming, or, you know, the Deontay Moore, like QB, that, you know, I don't yeah. think is coming here because he's a five-star QB, but, like, do you think they'll be able to bag – the bigger fish the blue chips recruits Though we kind of want to get back to where we're supposed to be at the top of the ACC.
1: Well, I could say for sure that if we don't reach that plateau, that that absolutely will not happen. So the converse of that is hundred percent for sure. Right. Like if we don't win eight games, we absolutely will not be recruiting those top or landing those top end recruits. Um, that's, that's going to tell me, I think if we were to win eight plus games this year, Uh, seeing how this recruiting class goes would be an interesting case study because it would tell me a lot about how much the logo still means. Like a lot of these kids until that, that 2013 national championship game national championship season was so important because it had been 14 years between 14, 15 years between the time that people growing up last saw a dominant Florida state team that won a championship or a championship Florida state team. Well, these kids still in their lifetime, 2013, have seen a Florida State championship. So the logo still means something. We put a lot of players in the NFL at various positions. We're among the best schools in Division One at putting, or in Power Five at putting players in the NFL. So the logo, to me, I, I like to believe it still means something. And if we win eight plus games and it doesn't translate to recruiting, especially the elite recruits, whoo boy, that means I've. Either the staff ain't it or the logo doesn't mean what it used to, which is going to be real
0: sad. I don't think the, I don't think the logo thing will be more of an issue. I think it would just be more – I think this year is going to be good for both sides of basically the – is Mike Norvell the guy, like is yes or no? Because this year if he does win the games and he actually eventually does land his kids, all right, then we'll, we see that we have, we're cooking with, we're cooking over something a little bit with Mike Norvell. And also if he fails to sort of – if to me, if he doesn't meet the 7 win mark, which I think is probably the sweet spot where he can actually get to – then I think you kind of have the sort of going into 2023 where he probably most likely is a, a lame duck head coach. And most likely you'll see some of the staff, some players in the staff probably depart, but you know, overall, like I do think with eight wins, I do think he'll actually be able to translate that, translate that to off the field because I mean, we also that were introductory press conference and he actually was very, he's, he's a very good salesperson, right? He's got that, they got that pastor, you know, Texas area kind of like, you know, vibe about him. It's very like, okay, I believe you. You know what? I'm going to go with you. And like you see with the older players in the transfer like a Trey Benson or a Jermaine Johnson. Greedy Vance may also be another one, too. And also Tatum Bethune. You'll see that, you know what? He actually, he might have something here. And, folks, if you want to have something else here, that's a great, great segue, Andres. Head on over to StatHero.com. StatHero, folks, is a place to be right now for March Madness. I love it and hate these buzzer beers, but... Shout out to Miami for dropping to Kansas. That was a beautiful, beautiful game and blowout today. It was amazing to watch. It's a sight to see the drama, but oh, the pain when you're on the other side of it. That's what happened to basically Miami. And also what might happen to St. Peter's later today, but I have a, I have a feeling that the uh, the Peacocks will be going over to the Final Four. I need X and Y to happen, and you know what? It did. So, folks, head over to stathero.com slash locked on and use promo code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N locked on for a 100% that's right, folks, a full 100% deposit match. That's stathero.com slash locked on for a 100% deposit match. Over there, please, folks, head on over to stathero.com. They've been helping me out, and I can to you. helps a little bit more with my, uh, my wagering area regardless. where else. stathero.com slash locked on. Terms can just may apply. All right, Dave, let's go on to, it's not really more of a question, but I think it's a kind of an interesting topic to discuss with, you know, just go with me on this journey. Uh, Reg, you know, constant comments around the show. Shout out to you, Reg. Uh, appreciate you guys and the content as always. Thanks. We love to be here. and We love for you listening. I can't wait to see how this corner, this cornerback uh, competition is going to go. Lost talent, other question marks. Other than QB, safety is where we can't afford to have injuries. Now, I do kind of want to ask you. At the quarterback spot, we had the scrimmage happen Saturday, and guess who was the star of the of the scrimmage? Apparently,
1: does his name rhyme with rate talker maker?
0: great totemaker i'm not gonna lie you, that you're a little more different with that but yes it was tate maker was probably one of the he's been kind of like the practice warrior that's been going on the entire spring so i kind of wanted to ask you do you think that maybe heading into year three and i think we've all kind of said it where tate maker maybe could be the jacob coker type, coker type where maybe year three year four he can actually probably blossom into something not amazing but something that's a serviceable option do you think tate Rodemaker actually probably has the the ability to be a QB two and maybe even push for the QB one spot.
1: Drake, I made an asshole out of myself. We always do. You love I it. I know I do. Sometimes particularly. So after last spring I commented on how good the ball looked to me coming out of his hand.
0: The spring I game. I was there. Never,
1: <laughs> ever falling for that again. Um, I understand that I'm being hypocritical with what I've said about Travis J and how much I expect from him, and then on the other, I think they're diametrically opposite situations. Like Travis J has all the talent in the world. I don't think Tate Rademacher has all the talent in the world. Um, Look, to hear that he looked like shit out there would have obviously been worse than to hear that he looked good. If he's a minimally serviceable backup, meaning, and I'll tell you what that means to me. That means to me that if he were to come in the game, we're not just going to be like, okay, we're losing this game now. Like no matter what the situation, because last year that was the case. If Jordan Travis came out of the game, I was under the assumption rightfully so that, okay, well, this game's over on the next week. I, I, I'm not buying it, but I'm not, I mean, I'm not buying it, but I'm going to, Stay optimistic and believe that we don't have to rush A.J. Duffy into James Blackman territory.
0: I'm about to say, like, would you just be fine with him being – because I'm, like, listen, if Tate Rodemaker kind of turns a corner and just be a backup, I mean, I'm not asking him to be, like – he doesn't have to be Trevor Lawrence out there. Like, if you look at in the league right now, like, Matt Moore was the backup for the Dolphins for a long time. And he's like, hey, can goes when he goes in the game. You're like, okay, I don't feel like we automatically get an L with him starting in the game. So, like, would you be, like, do you think that, like, Actually, probably at the end of the thing, would you be okay with Tay Rottamaker being QB two, or do you want AJ Duffy to be the QB two just in case something does happen to Travis?
1: No, I want Rottamaker to be QB two, ideally, like in a perfect world, um, because I don't want to have to ruin AJ D- risk ruining AJ Duffy if he's ready for the moment. Look, AJ Duffy, from all accounts that we've heard about him, is mature beyond his years, both in, in, especially in terms of his football savviness. Um, that's great if that's the case and the game is slow for him, then I'm not quite so worried about James Blackman again, you know? Um, But yeah, in a perfect world, Tate Rodemaker would be, would be able to be serviceable backup. The problem for me though is it's a very different type of offense we have to run when Jordan Travis comes out and when Tate Rodemaker comes in, like, you said have it, was it you that said Tate Ronemaker is deceptively athletic?
0: Yes, it was me that. He, like, he okay. is a deceptively athletic, bro.
1: We're not running running quarterback intentional running plays and
0: Okay, I'm not football. I'm not I'm not saying send Tate Ronemaker on a QB power like Justin Herbert or anything like that. Right. I'm saying he can someone move even though he's a statue back there in all the highlights from the past few years.
1: The problem's been that Jordan Travis has had to create the offense around him and I don't know that Kate Rodemaker is going to put that fear of God in you in terms of him running the ball. So when he's out there, um, you're, you're just having to do short passing plays. The cornerbacks can creep down. The safeties can creep down and dare you to beat him over the top. And that's a recipe for disaster unless he really has made strides this off season. Uh, if the coaching staff is saying it's true, I'm going to choose. I'm going to, I'm going to believe them that that's what they saw, but, um, I'm not going to fall for it in the sense that I'm not going to say, yeah, it's State maker time.
0: No, oh, no, no. Yeah, basically, I, I don't think he'll be QB1 here as long as Jordan is here. Because I do think yeah. Jordan brings enough of a dynamic with his legs and extending in the play. And, I mean, he did take a step forward passing the ball. Now I do kind of want to see him take another step forward with, when it comes to pocket presence. A lot of the games towards the end of last season, when he had a clean pocket, he would run, out, run away or just simply dip out because that's kind of how he – it's more. It was kind of more like he's just what he's used to doing, and also like, oh, I finally have all this time. Like I have not running out yet. Oh, I still have a pocket. So that's kind of like one of those yeah. things where it's like you kind of ruin a QB in that sort of way, and it's kind of unfair to the kid. But it's also that's kind of like just if you watch him a lot. So then you said that you're basically you, if you, if the coaches do see something within one of the one of the other 2 that they're not Jordan Travis. Like say that AJ Duffy actually does take the next step forward at the end of spring through summer, and he actually is named the starting QB. Not only for Duquesne, but also for LSU. Do you actually have the faith in the coaches that actually make that's actually the right call, or do you simply have a fear that Mike Norvell is going against Orton Travis again? Because it's not a uh, like it's not a secret that basically Norvell was kind of like forced to play him the past two seasons. So how do you feel actually if that's the case?
1: I I'm in the mental space that this coaching staff needs to earn the right for me to believe in certain things like it's let me give you an example Alex Atkins for example I think is arguably the most important uh, coordinator on this staff right however last year the offensive line arguably got worse from the year before it Um, I'm not saying that like he needs to prove to me that he can coach the offensive line but there is just nothing about this coaching staff that screams to me I need to trust what they're doing in any given respect. Um, I believe they can earn it. It's definitely possible. But no, I'm, I'm not just going to blindly trust that the decisions they're making about the quarterback room are the correct ones. Um, if Jameis Winston still had to sit the year and he was generationally talented, but I do wonder how different he would have looked and what his path would have looked like if he was starting his true freshman year I don't know the answer to that obviously we'll never know but I think it would have been different I don't think it would have been as good I don't think he would have ended up the first overall pick it's impossible to say but I just don't like doing that to quarterbacks historically it's bad so I don't want AJ Duffy being forced into that position uh, or being deliberately chosen to be in that position unless it's like god absolutely necessary but like if the coaching staff were to come out against LSU and say, Jordan Travis is healthy, but we're starting Tate Rodemaker, I would be interested in um, which search firm we're hiring to look for our next head coach.
0: Kind of with you there because I don't – as much as I like A.J. Duffy, I think is going to be a very, very good QB. I mean, mm-hmm. you hear it through spring that he's doing great. That's awesome. Yep. But also, you're doing great in shells and pads against your own defense. And yep. the defense that last year was pretty decent but lost two of their premier edge rushers, also lost their starting corner. So it's kind of like it's more of a wait and see for me with that. And quite honestly, like I, if Jordan Travis isn't your starter week one, either A.J. Duffy is going to like a Sam Howell type of freshman season where he just he has to be starting, or <laughs> we, we have to ask the question again where if Mike Norvell thinks his ob- offense is limited by Jordan Travis. But we'll kind of talk about that at a later date. But before we do that, folks, we were be remiss here at Locked On Seminoles if we talk about friends over at Bill Bar. As always, Dave is the cookie dough connoisseur. I am the Cherry Barcia Casanova. And Max over there is the, the admiral, as you will. He got a promotion, the admiral of the Peanut Butter brownie Brigade. But if you don't like those three flavors, there are 16 others to choose from. 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. And folks, it's so good. It, even taste like a, it doesn't even taste like a protein bar. It tastes just like a candy bar. So put down the Snickers, put down the Kit Kat over like me, put down the Milky Way, midnight, and go to built.com and use promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, and you'll get 15% welcome bonus off of your order. Once again, that's built.com, promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5 to get a 15% bonus off of your order. Folks, head to built.com today, and let's get healthy together. All right, folks, thank you guys so much for joining us. Lock and symbols and making us your first listen each and every single day. And you know what? He's so nice. We have to, you know, put him on here twice. Reggie with another, like, not a little question, but also kind of a theme with the episode. He gave us his own power rings for the bar receivers. He had one as McClain, two as Ontario Wilson, three as Johnny Wilson, four as Micah Pittman, and also five as Keyshawn Helton. And I think that was kind of nice to look at because, actually, I had Ontario Wilson as my number two. I also had Johnny Wilson as number five. Pittman as four. I think at Keyshawn at three and number one, my number one actually was uh, Blake McLean. How like, yeah. about say Because I think the Dave, you weren't on there for that. So like, if you want to list yours off really quickly, because I think we actually saw a few of those, those listed names actually have a good scrimmage on Saturday.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, I don't know enough about the new guys particularly that list feels pretty good to me. Um, the fact that Keyshawn is down at number five feels fair. I think, I think, Micah remains a big X factor because it's funny if you read social media it seems like an awful lot of people don't like his skills or don't think he's going to contribute much as a receiver here which I understand where they're coming from but I mean he was a blue chip recruit he is going to add a ton of value at the punt returner position and if he adds anything in the receiver position especially in the slot that's going to be very welcome. so from what I've heard, the accounts of him in practice are that the feel is more positive around him, right? So I expect him to be top five. I do expect Malik McLean for sure to be our number one receiver. Um, I think I mentioned him as my number one breakout candidate on offense for this year. I believe you did. And yeah, if he's not our best receiver, I'll be very surprised. He's so explosive. He feels an awful lot like somebody that could develop into what Auden Tate was for us, um, which would be great to have. Um, the, the position does feel oddly deep right now, which feels like we're falling into the same trap as like the defensive back position in terms of like need syndrome, where like we have all these names that we list them off and think, oh, they could be good, they could be good. Uh, still a lot of unknown. On um, Terry Wilson, for all the flack I've given him, we're very lucky to have him as somebody I mean, we're not relying on as our number one receiver um you mentioned last year that when he was healthy he contributed greatly to the team so yeah mclean and wilson as one and two makes a lot of sense johnny wilson if a guy that big can run naturally and catch balls catch contested balls our receiver core could actually be pretty good so that's yeah, an exciting bunch, at least on paper, right?
0: It is, and like it kind of like brings a little hope to a position group that was much maligned for the past like few seasons, right? And yep. to me, I think Malik McLean is like is like one of those that's like, going to be. He definitely needs to be a tone setter, in my personal opinion, actually for the entire group to succeed. But I do think like the smaller kind of options, like I think Keyshawn Helton as like your safety blanket for a third or a fourth option out there, I think is someone actually to, actually to strongly look out for. And also, I think these weapons kind of give they give less excuses right now, I think, to a Joe and Travis when it comes to passing the ball, right? One of the much one of the things much discussed, like on the timeline, and also in our comments, too, is that he didn't have like, he didn't have the weapons, right? Granted, that's direct. If you watched like, a lot of the games last year, uh, wide receivers failed to get separation, they ran the wrong routes, and also they ran routes that, quite frankly, you don't want to send your five foot ten guy on a jump ball against a cornerback that's like two inches all of him. And that's kind of like just poor yeah. pers- personnel usage. Now, granted, towards the end of the year, I know you and Matt kind of give the offensive line some flack, and for damn good reason, towards the end of the year, the offensive line actually played average. And quite frankly, average is probably good enough to give you some time in the pocket. And there's a lot of times last year where Jordan Travis failed his first read and his second read when actually had the time, right? And now with the Caden Lyle's coming in, uh, bless Harris, Robert Scott also being fully healthy now. You should have a much more improved offensive line. So I do kind of want to ask you, of these five wide receivers I just mentioned or someone that I have mentioned, who do you think actually has the capability to kind of actually add an extra win or an extra two wins actually to our entire record if they actually have a good season?
1: I, I do still think it's Malik McLean. Um, I, and I say that because without the benefit of seeing the new additions, He feels like the only one that has the ability to um, have like a scary cherry type season next year where he kind of comes out of nowhere and posts a thousand yard, 10 touchdown season. Um, And that level of performance is, is the kind that can win win or lose you a game, right? Like if you're having a thousand yard season, you can pop for a 200 yard game and that'll win you a game. And that's going to be, even more important because I'll tell you the reason I complain about the offensive line play. It was the run blocking specifically, which is a problem, and which was incredible that Jason Corbin to overcome that, like to rush for what they did with the poor run blocking line play they got last year. But if the, if the run blocking is still going to be the lesser of the line play this year, and we have an unproven receiving court, I expect us to have to lean on the passing game a lot more than usual. So if we don't see a guy like a Malik McLean separate himself as like a true number one for this team, uh, that's, that's going to, that's going to feel like we may be in, in for another five and seven season.
0: We'll be in for another five and seven season. I'm, I'm with you with Malik McLean. I think also though, I think you look at someone like an Ontario Wilson actually, if he does have like sort of a breakout year, cause I think I randomly not last year, but the year before, Kirk Herbstreet had him on, like, his, you know, players to watch to get. Drafted. Yeah, right. I remember I, you, re- you remember that, right? That was, I'm like, I'm like, yeah. I, I'm like Pokey? But Our Pokey? The homie wasn't Pokey? Wasn't Scary Terry still here? It was it was during the Marvin Wilson and Scary Terry's first, uh, last year here. It was during Mike Norvell's, like, first season. So, to me, like, I think if Ontario Wilson actually kind of shows up and shows out to what the player can be, and now he has the option of being, not being option number one, he'll be more option number two, maybe even option number three. That should open up more lanes for him, open up more routes for him, and hopefully, overall, at least that's probably winning. Where I think it's the kind of sweet spot, like around seven games. But folks, as always, thank you guys so much for love and support and coming by each and every single day. Uh, and with that being said, you know, please, if you can, don't forget five star reviews. You know, out of podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast from. And Dave, what do you, what do you want us to tell them about the YouTube?
1: Um, they need to subscribe to notifications, and so that the Ring the little bell so you get notified when we drop a new episode and content. Um and what's the what's the little the banner at the I don't
0: know. Hit the like button on this video. It's a good try, Dave. Hit the the like like button button at the bottom of this video. Tag the subscribe banner at the tippy top to make sure you're subscribed to all of our videos when you know when they drop. And also ding the little bell so you know when notifications are on and also you'll know immediately when new content is dropped or is scheduled to be dropped. With that being said, this was Drake. That was Dave, and we'll see y'all next time. I'm locked on sentinels. Take care, everybody. Only in America.